This is Jim Semivan, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy, and for a bumper breakdown looking at some events from October and into November now, 2023, I'm joined by Dan. Dan, welcome back. Hello, hello. Yeah, big few weeks and a big week ahead of us too. Dan, question for you. Mm-hmm. Actually, more of a demand. Can you sit back a little bit from your microphone? Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Your, your sound wave was huge there, and that's not a compliment. Um, oh, so, you beat me to the joke. <laughs> yeah, a massive sound wave. Very lucky. Um, no, no, that, thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, Dan, lots to go through. It's been a week or two. Um, it kind of piled up, and even I think some of the news, even on your side, probably became irrelevant over the last week or two because what was a little bit of an announcement became the news, and things are kind of kicked on a little bit. So we have got a very... We could say we're going to go kind of, I don't know, improvisational here. I don't know how to call it that, but I've got notes. Um, to, to the stars. We'll go to the stars with that discussion. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to. And we're going to go there at one point, actually, about Tom DeLong news. But um, can we kick off, Dan, with the David Grush interview that just released in the last day or two um, with ICER? If you don't mind, we'll, we'll start there. And yeah, so David Grush, Dan, was on with Paolo Gazzardi and Roberto Pignotti. Uh, I've probably butchered the pronunciations there, but you get the gist. They are part of the ICER group. They're also part of the Project Titan San Marino project. Folks have heard a little bit about, I'm sure. If you haven't, check out the Paolo Gazzardi interviews and updates I've done in the past with those. But yeah, um, they are part of the UF, basically the Italian ufo center center for ufos it's like the centro de ufological yeah yeah they're, they're the guys that are doing the san marino effort yeah. um yeah and uh yeah they got david grush for a, like a 21 minute interview um pretty pretty hard and fast vanigan's love like vanigan's law <laughs> for, the, for the future i'm a fan out there um but interesting couple of things that came from that dan you've had a chance to watch it yeah 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 Cool. Um, what did you think? What are your initial thoughts? I enjoyed it. It's always nice to hear David Grush open up and talk. And he he said one or two things in this were, that were a little further than he'd gone before. Um, so I think he's becoming a bit more comfortable talking publicly and knowing where that line is, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I've got kind of four key points from it, to be honest, over the 20 minutes. It does repeat a few things from from his previous statements and what he said on Yes Theory and also what he said at the hearing back in July now, which seems a, a long time ago, doesn't it? That's right. And, um, and then what was the other? Oh, American Alchemy. That's it. Yeah, Jesse Michaels. Yeah, that was that's it. the one. But, was he part of Yes Theory as well? They, are they, those guys are all interlinked, aren't they? So the... Yeah, it was like a road trip and they both made films out of it. And, yeah. you know, cool. I'm filming um, you filming me type thing. You know, <laughs> might need to cut that out. Not him. <laughs> so the the Iceland interview, uh, David Grush, twenty minutes. First part for me was quite interesting when he mentions about the number of craft, and he says, and this isn't necessarily even related to the UFO side of things, but um, he says he can't say the exact number of craft because that's classified, and he's discussed that with the IG in a classified setting, but he could say it was in double digits. Um, And he couldn't say exactly because foreign intelligence services could also pick up on that number. And I suppose that's something you have to think of that I'm guessing he's getting at China and Russia here because he mentions China. I think he actually mentions Russia too within the interview. Um, Imagine China know the US have nine recovered craft of non-human origin through various either shared intelligence, which I'm sure a little bit of that goes on with this stuff, even the, with them being, you know, adversaries, but yeah. also things they've found out through kind of backward channels, things like that. Um, but they might not know they've got 13 or 14. 
And if they did suddenly find out, so say David Grush comes out and says, yeah, the US have 14 recovered craft. China go, oh, when did they get another four? Where have these came from? We don't know about those. Where are they from? And that, I can see how that is a national security issue. So that is one thing. I'm not on the side of it. I would still love David Grush to come out and say, yes, there's 14 and here's the details. But I, I get why and i think i've spoken to enough people and people listening to this dan people like yourself we've heard enough of these folks now speak i think to start to understand why some of this stuff at least is a national security issue yeah i completely agree there was a bit where grush spoke about kind of like a cold war arms race behind the scene and it made me think of that tv show debris that you know it just had one season and it was kind of like about a black market to do with a uap debris basically ufo debris and how countries were stealing that from each other all the time and stuff like that. So even that comes into play, you know, I'm, I'm sure if the US found out uh, a secure a country with less kind of investment in the security than them had a piece of something, they would just try and go get it, right? So you, you've got to be aware of stuff like this and and just kind of hold your tongue. Uh, it's, it sounds like, like I said, Dave, Dave is getting to the point where he's more comfortable around that line and he doesn't need Charles McCulloch the third set behind him tapping him on the shoulder when he approaches the line but at the same time you can you can eke little bits of information out of this stuff and we're not in intelligence but when you see Speak someone on YouTube <laughs> when you see someone on YouTube even analyzing body language you know how much they'll they'll hang on to like one tiny inflection or like a blink here or there intelligence analysts are going to be that exponentially more you know so the tiniest thing that Grush says can can be taken and run with, and, and it could be really dangerous. So I get it. Do, do you know, of all the things, slight sidebar, I get the most shit for, for all the stuff I've done. It's almost exclusively about the Pentark stuff. And I still am getting emails from people to this day and comments on the YouTube um, slating the fact that I dared disagree that that was a legitimate case. Is, which it, is, is it just Cass Clark just under different emails, though? Probably. I mean, <laughs> God bless her. But, you know, God God forbid someone's got a differing opinion. As if I wouldn't want it to be a legitimate case, you know? Yes. Like, yeah. Why wouldn't I want the, the UK Roswell to be legitimate? But just in my opinion, it's not. But hey-ho, sorry. Um, back to the legitimate stuff. <laughs> David Grush, there, there's one for the bit of hatred. Um, David Grush, yeah, so he mentions that, and I get that. You'd, you'd be inviting more pressure. Because spying does happen and all that stuff, you know. So, yeah, I, I get that. I, I can understand why he can't go into exact details. But fair play, he says it's into double figures. So yeah, I imagine he's saying that because he knows that foreign adversarial bodies know they have at least 10. Sure. And he can say it's double figures because that could be 10, 20, 30, you know. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Um, Statement off the back of that then that was biologics came in a variety of states and morphologies. I'd like to discuss this, Dan. So biologics, we instantly went with, from the hearings, alien bodies. Sure. You think a little bit outside the box of some of this stuff. Very different to me at times. And I'm just curious what has been going through your head in the, the months. And this, this word came up before. This wasn't a word exclusive to, to David Grush. Okay, this yeah. has been a word that has been used. However, Anna Pasolka used it and yeah, you know, various other things. He has popularized it. So that's that's sure. just yeah, it's David Grush's word for the moment. Um, much with most of the UFO topic, it's not 
new. It's just stuff that's been around before and comes back into the lexicon. So um, what what goes through your head then, sorry, when you hear biologics? What are you thinking? If I said so, you, Dan, sorry, I'm interrupting and doing that thing. I hate people do. How but dare you? Just for context, <laughs> for listeners who maybe haven't heard too much about that, if I came to you, Dan, and said, I have some recovered biologics from a crashed craft, what would you be expecting to see? So, I mean, immediately you're thinking of bodies, right? But then my mind goes, well, why aren't you saying bodies? Why are you saying biologics yeah. instead of bodies? So then I start thinking, well, we talk about these craft as if they're AI, and we also talk about avatars being AI. And, you know, if the avatars are AI and have intelligence or what we would call non-human intelligence, there's no reason a ship can't have that as well. So we could be referring to what we call a craft now, but Dave, with a little bit more information, could be referring to that ship as a biologic because it kind of toes the line between those two things, you know? Um, some Someone posted on Twitter the other day talking about, uh, you, you know, life and where that line is for it and how that differentiates itself from technology. And, and when we're talking about this subject, it's really difficult to separate those two things, you know? If we get far enough with something like ChatGPT and we have you know, Skynet for all intents and purposes, uh, that is just a person that can chat with you, then that's a life. You got to refer it to somehow, but you wouldn't call it a body, right? You would call it something else. And biologic seems to fit the bill. Yeah. You mentioned that the idea of the craft potentially as an organic craft itself. Like, do, do you think in terms of like, nope, the movie when we saw that and the actual craft itself is a living thing and the inside of it has organic material or is it a case i don't know why but i had the impression that i'm trying i can't think of the movie or the show but you know when you have some kind of living it might be futurama living brain inside of a glass um yes, sure and i'm not saying that's what it is but is there something organic that helps propel these things or fly them that it's not a computer as we would think is yeah. that kind of biologics that were recovered where it was something they would class as biological but like you say wasn't part of a body and also the idea that these things aren't bodies because if they're more containers for an intelligence which maybe starts to get a little bit deep doesn't it that yeah like this is the thing want to say that you're, you're getting literally you're hitting on that overlap right it's unclear like like I said, if it's a body, you say body. If it's not a body, you say biologics. And it brings up all these other things. Like you say, it could be that the thing was alive itself and it's a creature. It could be more, you know, I, I guess we're talking on a scale of flight of the navigator to nope, right? Like an intelligent craft that can speak and think and, and all that kind of stuff um, versus life. Uh, and it, it also makes me think of in the three body problem in the third book, or I should I say the remembrance of earth past trilogy the three-body problem is just the first book spoilers uh, coming uh possibly so at some point i'll leave it vague i won't say character names or anything but a species sends out a person to an alien race and the scientists debate it for ages they're like well how can we do this how can we send a person at near light speed when their body can't survive it like that's impossible and they basically end up just kind of taking a section of the person's brain and pouring it in a tiny ship and sending it, that would count as biologics, right? But it's not a body, it's still a person. And then the recipients at the other end can rebuild it from that little piece that they've sent and, and get the full being. Kind so like intergalactic FedEx. Yes, exactly. You, you know, the, the less the less stuff you have, the, the more you can push towards the speed of light. Because when you hit the speed of light, 
everything becomes everything and and it's difficult to to move anything you know with with actual material i immediately think of the end of the movie seven and maybe that's what kevin spacey was trying to get at when he tells brad pitt to open the box (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why that was the first thing i thought of but um the other aspect of that he says biologics and morphologies so morphology and biology is the branch that deals with the form of living organisms um so how they look essentially is what i'm i'm gleaning from this and i had to get yeah. to check like, I was shape right mor- morphologies we've also had kirkpatrick say things like morphologies when he's talking about you know sphere cube cigar so, shape so shape is it fair shape. to say the shape yeah. of these things so again form, why shape. why do you think he's using biologics and morphologies instead of just bodies yeah i mean i mean it's a it's a really pertinent question and the only thing that you can kind of take from it is that the things that we've recovered don't fit into those two boxes as we know them so they've got to keep it vague and it might be innocuous in the sense that he doesn't want to give too much away so he's staying vague so that people watching it can't get that much information from what he's saying but at the same time you know, it, it, it's hard not to look into these things as, as <laughs> you know, dropping breadcrumbs and things like that. Uh, but it's fascinating. And he went a little further on the kind of morphology of the ships as well, kind of suggesting that some of the shapes may have oh, changed. Let's let's get to that in a second, because I've sure. got one more follow up for you on, oh, go on. The, the morphology stuff. Can you think of anything, though, that would be similar in what we would understand? And you would use that phrasing. And I don't even know, like, would you say to someone... You know, here's uh, look at the morphology of this plant, and you wouldn't bring someone a plant and say, "Look at the body of this plant," but it is a living thing. But it's just the shape of it, and is it something like that where it's a living thing, but it's not a body? You wouldn't refer to it as a body. I'm just that's probably a bad example, but you, do you know what I'm getting yeah, at? I mean, I can yeah, I can absolutely see what you're getting at. There's there's a lot of life out there that we wouldn't describe as having a body, but we would still say that it's a, a being or a single thing. Um, but sometimes these things overflow. Mushrooms come to mind for me, fungi, you know, the way that they kind of branch and, you know, we, we see this tiny mushroom, but in fact, like it's this underground network of this, I guess, biologics, (laughs) um, you know, interacting with the environment behind around it. And, you know, the trees near it, if the mycelium is covered in that tree, is that part of the body or is it not, you know, so you can kind of start talking about ecosystems and things like that. Yeah, interesting. I think you're going to move on to the shapes. They're talking about the magenta crash in Italy, and they seemed quite keen on this one, asking David Grush, the crash in 1933 that apparently was recovered by Mussolini's government, that the US went in and took the craft. They asked him about that. He said um, he was briefed on it. Um, He mentions the shape of it was reported to have been bell or acorn shaped. But I think the interesting point you're probably going to get at, Dan, was to do with the fact he said the people who recovered it or briefed him believed that shape was due to the impact and the fact that it was probably more double plate shaped or classic saucer like and the impact crushed it to more of a bell shape, which is pretty interesting idea, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We've also heard it alluded to that we can't get into these craft. Yeah. So maybe this craft was the first one we were able to get into because it was broken so badly on landing that there was a big hole in the side of it, you know? Uh, Really begs the question. There there was a little thing in here where, so there's been a lot of conversation around this one where there was a kind of a fraudster or someone that embellished a little bit, uh, put some documents online that to do with this. And and there's been conversation as to why the Grush picked up those forged documents and, and kind of ran with them and was essentially tricked by a bit of UFO history. 
And this specific part of the interview shows that no, no, he did not, because there are different things in here that weren't in those original documents. So he said that there were no bodies recovered, which is different from the original Reportedly, yeah. Reportedly, yeah. So we're essentially getting, you know, a nugget of truth with a whole bunch of lie. And and it made me think of, um, do you remember Tom? He he was talking about, I think it was Tom, the, Tom Thomas Delange, Thanks. Um, the, the French punk rocker. Uh, he he was talking about um, how when a, a cons- kind of conspiracy theory thing happens. So I think in this example, he used the moon landing, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, when we did the moon landing, people are asking, is it real or is it fake? And he said, you've got to ask the third question. Those are the two questions you're being provoked into asking. So instead of asking, is it real or is it fake? Ask maybe what did we find there or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, you kind of got to come around in a different way. This situation reminds me of that where we're getting we're prompted to kind of go, is it real or is it fake? But in fact, there's this third possibility that it was real, a bunch of information leaked, a bunch of hearsay was entered into the conversation. That's kind of permeated UFO law, but actually there was this nugget of truth at the heart of it that you know we we all ignore because we all go running in these different directions so based the on way this I, hearsay. The way I talk about Bob Lazar, that I think there's an element of truth to it, but sure. I think there's a lot of BS that's been injected into it by him, by other people, sure. for whatever reason. But that doesn't mean there's not something to it potentially, 100%. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we we get it a lot. I know you and I talk about it when when you get UFO hoaxes and they swear like their first event was definitely real, and you you got to wonder, you know, is is there something that causes people to want to share that experience but the first event is you know there seems to be something to it there was a little bit around uh here where grush was talking about pope Pius the 12th as well uh being involved and i saw that you you kind of have a chat with people online and and i thought it was a really curious conversation as to whether the pope would be told about stuff like this because he is in you know essentially an elected official like a president right but yeah. there's a difference in that the pope is meant to be the person in the seat closest to god that talks to god and relays things so mm. and that's god with a big g single there you know the big mm-hmm. dude in the chair yeah. so you've got to wonder like what what importance they put on the pope knowing this stuff and if that's changed over millennia and there are a lot of groups inside the church big c church that would be better suited to holding this secret you know, and kind of not telling the Pope about it, who is, you know, essentially just the front man, right? The, the marketing yep. face of the group. Uh, so, yeah, I thought I thought that was a really curious part of the conversation. Yeah, and um, I think you touched on it before uh, in that first kind of point, but the, the last thing for me I thought was really interesting. Oh, thought, thought, use the correct pronunciation, Andy. Come on, going all Scottish there, I thought. <laughs> no, I thought. Um, competing with adversaries to gather this stuff, and for weapons development and for war capabilities. That's nothing new. That's that's as expected. I just like the phrasing of, and I'm proper digging into this now, um, competing with adversaries to gather this stuff. Like, they have to get there first to get it. And it makes me wonder, things like the Virginia crash in Brazil sure. and any of those, whenever something has crashed, the Magenta crash in Italy, albeit you're going way back to to before most other governments would have had the capabilities to even get out to somewhere and collect stuff. You imagine now something hits the ground, they want to be first to get there, and that's it. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely, in in any way, shape, or form, right? Um, and, and we saw a kind of permutation of that this past little while where something that was supposedly came from outside of our solar system was, you know, Avi Loeb wanted to recover it with the Galileo project. If that was a craft, would it even still be there is the question, right? Do you know what I wonder? So going back to the, f- and we're going to touch on the February shutdown stuff in a minute, um, just with the Ross P 
Ross C, Ross Coulthard piece that happened a few weeks ago. <laughs> the Ross P. Um, the Ross Coulthard piece that happened a few weeks ago. But I wonder, is there any element of the public side of that, as, as weird as it sounded to everyone else, that the US wanted or expected China and Russia to try and gather the stuff that crashed as well. So they made a point of saying they went out and couldn't find anything because they wanted to watch and see what or who China sent in to potentially try and recover stuff that they say they couldn't find, but they had already been there and got it. Yeah, quite possibly. And and it, it's telling as well, right? Like if they say we couldn't recover it and there's a group in China that kind of goes, ah, I think that's BS, we're going to go look anyway. The fact that they've gone to look kind of tips their hand into what they're doing and how much they trust the US and the relation there. You know, there's we, we see a public face of relations, but there's also the, all this stuff behind the scenes. And we, Dan, we, oh, sorry, I even wonder, did they... Did they go to recover it and the the folks from the US who did go out and say they found nothing and they didn't find anything because one of these smaller groups with inside the US government, which is heading up this stuff as a black project, had already been and got it. So they're literally tricking themselves. And it's that plausible deniability, isn't it? Because yeah. I could have done it, went and got it. And then you go out to get it and go, oh, I went to get it and there was nothing. And it's, ah, oh, Dan couldn't find anything. Yeah, but Andy had been there first and got it. But he's not told Dan that he did go and find the crash craft and has exactly. it stored away. So there's that deniability where you do have defense spokespeople and the White House pressers and staff standing there going, we couldn't find it. And they're a bit confused and they look stupid. But that's fine because you don't want them to know you've got what you've got. Yeah, exactly. And and we think they look stupid. But like you're saying, like if, they, if they're convinced that is the truth... They're not saying stupid things. They're saying what they experienced, right? Yeah, perception is very much reality. Um, I don't think there was much more from that interview, was there? It was pretty short. Have you got anything? Um, so there, there was the little tidbit that uh, Dave said he wasn't able to interview anyone who had first-hand knowledge of the US government being in communication or working with non-human intelligence, uh, and that that's just rumor or speculation that a few people he interviewed alluded to, but he couldn't talk to someone with first-hand knowledge. So one, that shows you that Dave isn't interested in people who, you know, just peddle in rumor and speculation. He wants to talk to the people who would have had a hand in that and he couldn't find them. They might still exist and his phrasing suggests that maybe they do and he just couldn't get to them. He also said that uh, when he gave over the locations, he, he made a point of saying, we're talking addresses. We know where yeah. these things are. Um and that's something that Lou alluded to as well. I, I think you asked him once about, you, you know, would you know where to go kick the door down? And Lou was like, yeah, absolutely. I, I know exactly which doors to kick down and which walls to break in. Lou Elizondo, uh, former Lou Elizondo, Sorry, yes. For people who won't know who Dan's talking about. <laughs> and so, yeah, safe to say they know where the programs are, or at least the programs that Dave Grush is talking about. And this is once again kind of one of the things that, shows that Kirkpatrick is is you know just having a laugh seemingly or congress is, is not looking at what they're being shown uh but yeah that's the next bit of conversation i think <laughs> yeah let's move into that then and do you know what dan i'll give people a little glimpse into if i manage to speak to david grush something i've not heard him say in the limited time that he's managed to speak one thing i would want to ask him and if anyone gets the chance if you've got jeremy corbella that listening to this ross kultart you know if you do um I want to know what he's been asking in these interviews. You know, these these 40 whistleblowers that he's managed to speak to, what types of questions has he been asking that he can tell us? There's a lot that he can't give us the answers to, but I just wonder what kind of phrasing and wording does he use in his questions to, to get what he's getting at? I'd be interested to hear that. 
from David Grush's point of view. It would be really enlightening, wouldn't it? Uh, and I guess in the same way as, you know, it would be great to go and become an intelligence analyst so I could understand like what Dave would do and how he would action that information. Like as, uh, but... as he being as direct as saying, you know, uh, have you found evidence of alien life or extraterrestrial life? Is it, is it, is it, is it that direct? Or, or is he vague. asking, yeah, is he asking questions that invite that sort of information off the back of it? Um, so I'd, I'd be curious to hear that. Or even just from that point of view, not spilling everything I would ask him, you know, by any means, but as, as he... As in his questioning, does he offer the opportunity for them to talk about alien life, extraterrestrials, non-human intelligence, or are his questions, like you say, more vague? And it's the individuals on the other side of those questions who are giving that information more willingly. And that, that I'd like to know that kind of side of things, like what those interviews look like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a, a really good point of inquiry. And Dave said that a bunch of like the DODIG and the Inspector General, uh, sorry, the intelligence community Inspector General also interviewed all these people without Dave's involvement. So, you know, did they repeat the questions that Dave said that he asked them or did they kind of go about it in a different way? It would be fascinating to know. Or did they repeat the questions that Dave asked them or did they go about it in a different way? Be <laughs> nice. to know. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> hey, um, I'm not that subtle as I've said before. <laughs> so uh, yeah, on to the Sean Kirkpatrick stuff. So Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick or Dr. K, as he calls himself to the cool kids, um, is on his way out of Arrow, something that's been largely mooted for a long time this year on, on, from various sources we've talked about that um no surprise i don't think that he's going i think at this point the rumors are why he's going one that he's just kind of not the guy for the job two i i would actually think i'll share my opinion first dan i think he is absolutely he has done the job that he was tasked to do and that's not the job that the ufo folks wanted him to do I think it's a job that he was put in place to do by folks who don't want this coming out. Um, and he has probably done that well. He has run it into the ground and kept attention off of this. And that's not that he's kept a few thousand folks on on Twitter, you know, or X away from it, but he's kept it largely away from the public and played it down. He's made it dull, you know, so um, yeah, right. I like, think that's kind of mission accomplished for him. When, whenever these reports come out that he's producing, people almost roll their eyes and know there's going to be nothing in them before they even look. And and so many people just don't even read them as a result. You know, they'll read an article in, say, the New York Times where he's given a few tidbits of information and, and really kind of shaped that conversation. And quite frankly, there's a word for that, and it begins with uh, P, but I won't say it because it's a heavy insinuation, but... Uh, yeah, there was a statement from Chris Mellon that he posted about uh, an interview that Dr. Dr. Kirkpatrick uh, did in Politico the other day. And yes. Chris Mellon said, to his credit, Dr. Kirkpatrick made serious progress in establishing procedures for systematically collecting and analyzing military UAP reports. His scientific background was certainly helpful in dealing with NASA and many technical issues. I wish him well, and I hope his replacement can improve information sharing with Congress and the public to help restore faith in government. Is it me, or does it feel like there's an underhanded insult somewhere in there? <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's very good at playing the game politically, isn't he, Chris Mellon? Yeah. And that's that's fair. But the article itself, I think one of the quotes that went about online, I saw a few folks share, Jeremy Corbell, I'd put it on, was um, the interviewer asks, and it's, is it Seligman, the interviewer, his surname? Yeah, I um, think so. The interviewer asks, are aliens real? 
to the point, fair enough. And Sean Kirkpatrick says, that is a great question. I love that question. It's my favorite. No, he does actually say, I love that question. <laughs> he does, yeah. Yeah. Number one, the best thing that could come out of this job is to prove that there are aliens, right? Because if we don't prove there are aliens, then what we're finding is evidence of other people doing stuff in our backyard, and that's not good. I've said before, Dan, I think people have to understand, again, I'll, I'll always, just my opinion, I think there is a lot of this stuff that is china and russia Mm -hmm. or secret black technology that isn't aliens there is a huge element of it i think is that um and people just have to accept that that's probably the case that's not to say that the small percentage that people like us are interested in isn't something that's non-human or of non-human origin um so i think a lot of these projects are put in place probably probably with a dual look at that as to say look what what is china flying in our airspace what is russia flying in our airspace what are they attempting to find out because they'll be doing the same thing to those countries as well you know the chinese uh, spy balloon that flew over the united states how much stuff will the u.s have over china i mean come (laughs) on exactly like uh, that's just they just got caught right um it's, yeah, 100%. Like, it's like going to your friend's wife and telling her all about the affair that your mate's having, but you're doing it with four other women behind your wife's back. You know, that's that's the way it looks like to me. That And, and it goes on. Everyone know it goes on. You know, James Bond won't be too far from the truth with all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's not to say there isn't an element of it that is a non-human intelligence operating in the skies under the sea in space and that's the stuff we're interested in um so sean kirkpatrick likely he's on his way out in december so in the new year he'll be free to start a new job i think we're all expecting him to turn up at one of these kind of aerospace companies dan some kind of private organization yeah that's right there's there's, uh, ross coltard found that there's a listing for him on a lab website and the lab is associated with associated with battelle who history with the ufo subject go way back all the way to roswell you know they we think that they've been involved since then so it's curious that he's landing there they bought uh, me my first laptop <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. I, I think they what was the material they made nitinol uh which was like a you can a material you can fold and it springs back out you, you know um but is really strong and protective uh, very, very similar to the stuff that was reported from the Roswell crash. <clears throat> and a lot of people draw the comparisons between those two things and kind of go, huh, where did they get the idea for that? They also did a UFO study that was kind of off the books uh, that used, you know, the old punch cards in the IBM computers, that kind of thing. So they they were really, uh, really involved. Sean seems to have a lot of expertise in areas of scientific kind of, well, in scientific areas. Uh, and also like managing various groups and helping them synchronize. So I can kind of see him going in there. And this article alludes a little bit to what he's going to do. He said that he's going to do some consulting, some board work, uh, working with a number of folks across the interagency, the space community, the science, technology, and intelligence community as we go forward. And then he said, I think we'll hear more in the coming month. So I think he's starting a band with Tom DeLong. Would, would that be fair? <laughs> Blink-183. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh He's not a stupid guy, so he's. No. I don't think anyone in these positions within any kind of government or political organization gets there because they're thick. Um, but I wonder, is this a case of he's being looked after by these folks? We have to kind of ask that. I think you see that in, in all kinds of politics, don't you? That um, I think most recently in the UK, you had Boris Johnson in power. He seemed to give a lot of benefits to friends of his, and I don't doubt that for a couple of years of public pressure and hatred 
he is being looked after for the rest of his life. Not that he was going to yeah. suffer for cash anyway, but you give these billionaires and tax breaks and you give them opportunities and contracts they shouldn't get. Then once you leave office, you can just disappear with tens of millions coming in. You never have to worry about money. And I wonder, is it a case of rightly or wrongly, I'm just surmising, has he gone in there, done a job, kept this quiet in a very public way? And that's it, job done. But then that opens up, you know, what happens next and who comes in next. I, I put on a, a jokey kind of post, Dan, with a K-A-R-L, and I basically spelled out Carl. <laughs> such a hard name for me to say. Dan, say the name for me. Carl Nell. Yes, Carl Nell. I can't say it. Um, I think a lot of people are looking at this guy who was David Grush's boss uh-huh. and has backed up David Grush's claims um, and his validity and credibility. Potentially, he might be one of the guys who will get this job. I don't know that. The last I heard, there was two folks up for it and it hadn't been decided yet. Um, maybe by this point, they do know who it's going to be. Um, have you got any thoughts on who it might be? I, I, I mean, I don't, but it's interesting what people want out of this, right? Uh, the, the more neutral side of things for me i want someone in there who's not biased either way you know i don't want someone from the air force i don't want someone who's been involved with uap a believer as people call them i want someone who's just a straight shooter you know i'd be quite happy if avi loeb stepped into that kind of role did we not think that's what we were getting with sean kirkpatrick though we did yeah uh but from the beginning we did know that he was ex-air force we just i think you and I, at the very least, we, we kind of tried to give him the benefit of the doubt and a bit of time to kind of sort things out because he was, you know, we had UAPTF, AIMSOG, like all these permutations of it. He came into a bit of a shit wrangle. show that was all over. Absolutely. So, yeah, he, he's kind of wrangled it. But in that interview, he, he points out that there aren't going to be any changes going forward. He says, uh, this is Dr. Dr. I keep going to say Dr. Brown, but then my brain gives me the K and should i just say dr clown is that <laughs> uh, that would be insulting it would yeah doctor i'll be respectful dr kirkpatrick says in the interview the the office won't get a new name they're not gonna get a major makeover the team has done a really exceptional job of setting the foundational stone for the vision i had laid out and how we're get, going to execute on this whoever comes in next that will be really to execute the rest of those foundational stones and ensure that it's projected into the future. So it sounds like he's not expecting a lot to change. The whoever steps into this role is is just going to, you know, carry on with more of the same. Quite frankly, I just want someone who's transparent and that doesn't BS, you know, but the same people are going to be interviewing for the job. The same organization is going to be looking after this organization. So I, I don't expect a lot of changes as much as I want them. Blue Book 2.0 seems to be fitting here, even down to the, you know, there was 1% of Blue Book reports that seemed anomalous, and you can get a list of them online if you go look, and they're the ones they couldn't explain. And with Arrow, we've already got a 1% of reports they couldn't explain that they don't really talk about, so it feels like it's managed in the same way. Yeah, no, that's that's completely fair. Um, Anything else on that from you, Dan? I don't think there's much more that's Uh, interviewing. I, I would say just, you know, he mentions we look. We can look forward to, well, when I say we, it's the royal we. I don't know if we'll get to see it or if it'll just be a congressional thing, uh, that they're finishing volume one of the historical review, which was required by legislation last year. So legislation does get think, people to do things. You, you know, this is good. Like, even if we don't like the contents, he says that that will basically go from all the historical stuff up to present day. And then volume two, which will be produced next year by whoever follows Sean up, that will kind of go uh, cover all of the things that they've been looking at since 
they they open the reporting features on the website. But just remember, you know, the reporting features on the website, you're not allowed to submit anything classified. You're not allowed to submit unclassified things that aren't public. You're not allowed to submit things that you wouldn't first have witness to. It, it's very, you know, you can tell them what you had for dinner and that's about it. Am I right in saying, and we looked at this a, a week or so ago, uh, Marek von Remenkamp had cleared up exactly what it was, though, because it had been slightly misreported, hadn't it? And I think it was hard to understand exactly what that tool was meant to be. Um, I don't have the exact stuff here, but was it not something like it's actually for reporting org- organizations, not sightings? Yes. And people yes. thought this is where... I knew a young David Fravor who has an incident today could go on and report that and it's not what it was for. And that's exactly. just been a slight, not misrepresentation deliberately, but it, it was a poor looking reporting form for a start, wasn't it? That that probably threw a lot a, of folks. Well, it was a Google form, right? Like in this interview, Kirkpatrick talks about how the website took ages to make because it had to adhere to all these standards and so on and so forth. And then they're using a Google form. This is a really good kind of little microcosm of what a clown show this has been. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yes. So let's move on. Uh, this week, Dan, the IG, the Inspector General, who is like the government police for people like me who aren't politically savvy and try to navigate all these different terms and, and labels and stuff. They're essentially like the police for the government. That's who you go and complain to and they give folks into trouble and investigate it. Is that a, exactly a way of they, putting it? The watchman. Yeah, or they're supposed to be, um, but this and there's various different versions of that as well. Um, but the this week, the skiff is happening, the classified skiff with the Inspector General, and is this the one that's got David Grush in it as well? So it it's unclear. There there have been a few people saying different things. Uh, Matt over at Ask a Paul, he does great work. I recommend go and sign up to his Substack. Like he gets some really good quotes, and if you ask him nicely, he'll just send you the audio as well. If you can't afford to sign up to that, so I love that. You, you know, there's there's a paywall to support his work, but it's not a barrier. Um, he he was talking to uh, Eric Burleson, I think it was, and Eric was saying that they're going to get to talk to Grush soon. Um, and have that ICIG meeting. But it's unclear if Grush can even step back into the skiff because he doesn't have his clearance to go in there. The House has added to a bill a request for Grush to get his clearance reinstated, but that's a request. It's not a guarantee that it's going to happen. It's down to the office that gives out the clearances, so fingers crossed, but probably means Grush isn't going to be in the skiff this week, but they will get to read the report that Grush submitted to the IG. Yeah, so basically what we're expecting this week then, and that's what I thought, is some of those politicians with the interest, uh, Luna, Burchett, Burleson, and any others, including some of those no-name suits that we saw in various pictures, are going to sit in a room and get to read the report with the classified stuff in it that they previously were denied access to, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, which is really curious. And and this is the ICIG as well, not necessarily the DOD. IG. Uh, there are two separate watchmen. One looks after the DoD, one looks after the intelligence community in general. So one of them is looking at reprisals, because uh, Dave Grush obviously suffered reprisals and people trying to get his clearance revoked and affect his career. And the other one is looking at the reports of the organizations that he supposedly uncovered and the people he spoke to. Uh, so this week should be the second one that I spoke about where you know they, they hopefully won't come out of this skiff this week going, we learned nothing. Yeah. And apologies, folks, in advance, right? Sometimes we do get this stuff wrong. Uh, there is a, a minefield to navigate when you're not from the US. And politically, there's a lot of different things to catch up on and a lot happening. 
and I'm I'm just not a political guy. It really turns me off. So if we get a slight thing wrong, and that's why we try and put it into kind of layman's terms, because that's how I try to look at it. So Same, yeah. if you want to drop me an email going, oh, the inspector, or, sorry, let me do, oh, the inspector general doesn't do that. They're not like the police. They're more of a kind of watchman guy who does, okay, fine, right. But that's the gist <laughs> of it. Unless I'm really, really wrong, then apologies. But yeah, and you got the US accent. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Dan, uh, from Australia, or from America to Australia even, um, a week or so ago, News Nation ran a Ross Coulthard piece. I think we were all hoping for a longer piece than what we got. Folks stayed up quite late for it. It turned out to be about four minutes long Yeah. on Vargas Reports, who uh, it's right at the end of the piece as well. So, you know, it has a lot of eyes on it. And I think for folks involved in TV, the top of the hour and the, the kind of back end of an hour is quite a popular time because folks are tuning in for the next show that's starting. So they get a, a kind of overlap in audience usually at the start and the end of a show. So it's not a bad place to put it. And it was about the, the kind of Chinese spy balloon story, the Alaska shootdowns back from February earlier this year. Folks remember that over the course of a week, the, the, U, the US turned into the start of the movie Signs, didn't it, Dan, for a couple of days where it looked like there was some form of invasion happening in the skies over the United States. Um, various different systems were picking up objects coming into US airspace that had to be shot down, had to be intercepted. And it all got a little bit interesting for a few days. You Literally, the way you phrase that, then I'm picturing the whole thing as a you know the start of a movie. Like, sir, we've dropped the filters and there are 20 objects over the US. <laughs> you, you but know. it was, wasn't yeah. it? It was so like, this is getting a bit odd now that... It was a lot. It was, it's kind of like a, a, I think we said at the time, it felt like a, a modern day UFO myth in the making. And, and it's galvanized as that now, you know, like we have the Chinese spy balloon, but we also have these other weird objects. And there was so much, we, we had reports from the pilots that one of them avoided a missile. Yeah. Um, we, we have reports that they couldn't damage one and that it was interfering with the systems of the jets that were approaching it. So there's there's a lot of vagueness here, and this is this is a really good example of an area where a little more transparency would stop people injecting their own stories into this. And and to be fair, there was the Chinese spy balloon. Everyone saw that because it was filmed by the public, which was fantastic by yep. by several folks. Um, there was the alleged hobbycraft balloon. Some kind of hobby organization said That's one right. of their balloons was potentially the, shot down. The Pico balloons with and... a couple of, worth a hundred thousand, couple of hundred thousand dollars worth of missile being shot at it. Yeah. <laughs> That makes me wonder, you know how if you have a balloon and you throw something at it and as the air changes in front of it, the balloon moves out the way? Sure. Is it possible that shooting a missile at some kind of hobbycraft balloon it would move? And I don't want to go all Mick West here, but I could see why a missile would move a really lightweight balloon out the way. So could that look like, oh, it's evaded the missile? Yeah, it's a, it's a helium balloon, mate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're bang on there. Like, we, we've got to. This is exactly why we've got to be open to things having a prosaic explanation instead of immediately thinking it's UAP in the sense that it's extraterrestrials visiting us, non-human intelligence. You know, it's okay to call it UFO if we don't know what it is, but yeah. we've got to balance it with those kind of you know ponderings. Yeah, but the really interesting one was uh, the the object over over Alaska that was shot down and apparently not recovered. Dan. Um, Chris Mellon said uh, there was a lack of information from the Air Force on this issue at the time. They were obfuscating. It was strange that so much information became public, but you feel there was a narrative being controlled and, and played out at the time. Um, NORAD issued a statement denying any jets had intercepted any UAP, which is, again, could you look into the wording of that, or is it a case of that they 
they didn't or they're just outright lying yeah i mean you could say the same thing if they fail to intercept it right like they didn't intercept it cool they just didn't go well then you know yeah and th- that could just be like you know just clever use of language or really obvious use of language um ross Coulthart reported as part of this um piece the alaska object was apparently anomalous so from his sources and personally all all personal i'm a, a huge believer in ross Coulthart and his reporting not that he will always get it right 100 percent of the time no one does and i've i've seen plenty of ufo officials and people that would be really highly thought of and people I think highly of have made mistakes in this subject, Dan. And I think you would agree with that as well. Yeah, Um, I would. And can I just take a quick aside here to say props to Chris Sharp around this time? Like I, in fact, I think it was like three weeks ago, he reported something and within a day it came out that it wasn't true. And he held his source to to task for it and basically said, you know, that source is now a, a dead source to me. Like that, that's not somewhere I can get reliable information. And he told us that. So props for that. I, I wish more people would circle back like that and just be honest with everyone and themselves, you know? You should absolutely be able to make a mistake in this. I think you have to. And anyone who who judges someone based on one either misreporting or small mistake or or lack of information or a mistake in the information presented it's just wild because you would you would have no one absolutely no one to listen yeah, right. to or um yeah and i think everyone's made mistakes in their life but um pressing on so yeah the alaska object apparently was anomalous according to several sources um to to ross coulter i always think that chris mellon's probably one of those sources as well it wouldn't surprise me i mean mellon has alluded to still having contacts in the government mm. you know he he doesn't pop his head above the parapet too often right and when he does yeah. he's really collected and calm to talk about this stuff um he he recently in the echo event in paris said that he had three sources talking about uh things like you know objects recovered and satellite imagery and things like that if chris is saying it i think it's fair to say that he's not just speaking out of turn and, and taking rumors fact you know he, he's talked to people enough people to to feel it's worth repeating um the the bit that intrigued me about the report was the eight or nine uaps over the arctic circle um and i think that's what norad was saying that they didn't it was part they said it was part of training or something mm. like that that you know those interceptions are trying to happen but a little while back the a canadian uap briefing was kind of i was going to say leaked but not leaked someone got it through foia and the two cases mentioned in it were numbered like number 25 and number 29 it was something like that don't quote me on those but they were in the 20s and it just went to show that you know there are like 20 odd sightings that they haven't spoken about that were all you know happened between new year's day and that shoot down in february yep uh where you know this fits perfectly they could have been over the arctic circle so something is amiss you know so someone's playing games with the vagueness of language and stuff like that and it's just yeah another one of these things where it's like a little more transparency guys treating people like adults would go a long way in People not speaking out of turn and giving, you know, NASA officials a hard time when they're trying to investigate this and stuff like that. So, Dan, say you started a UFO podcast back uh, the summer before, so June 2022, right? And you're going to talk about nothing but recent UFO events. And I mean, like, breaking UFO events as they happen. No Roswell, nothing like that. Literally, what's happening now, right? Sure. Would you be mad to not have covered all that happening at the time? I mean, yeah, it, it was it was on the everyone's tongues, right? Uh, even like some conferences we were, I was going to at the time, like people were just talking about it. Everyone was really intrigued. As I said earlier, it's it's a modern day U, UFO myth in the making. Yeah, and to even show a lack of interest in it would be mad, wouldn't it? Yeah. So imagine being a department, say Arrow, 
who hadn't long been put together. And this literally falls in your lap. The huge story, a breaking story, something that's literally happening you know, in real time. Not that it happened last week, but these folks would have known this is happening now and we're getting these things, et cetera, et cetera. And they just didn't seem to follow it up, did they? This was like, this This could have been their moment. If Arrow was ever going to prove to be legitimate and transparent, this would have been something they would have got their teeth into. This would have been, right, guys, th- this is the time. This is our moment to shine. You know, we've had a rough ride of it of late. Let's let's turn this into a huge win. And it might as well have not happened for Arrow the way things seem. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And it goes to show what that was set up to help, right? Because uh, apparently they were behind the scenes talking to other government agencies and helping figure out what these things were. Just goes to show they're not for the public. They're for an interagency relationship. And most of what Arrow do, we will never, ever see. Yeah, which is, isn't totally unexpected, Dan. Um, anything else on that before I move on to the next piece? Uh, no, we can we can roll on. Awesome. And speaking of keep rolling, 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 uh, Limp Biscuit frontman Tom DeLong. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Blink Winnie Two frontman, Angels and Airways frontman, Boxcar Racer frontman, Dan, Great any album. other frontman that he's been uh, that, that's, that is it. Like maybe, maybe it. some bands way back when, but yeah, no. This okay, <laughs> professionally. So, um, just a little interesting aside, on the 3rd of November, Newsweek uh, had an article out, and I'll put the link for it in there, people may have seen. Um, Blink-182 star Tom DeLong suggests ancient civilizations could have been wiped out for angering alien life forms through disobedience. Something we've discussed before, but I just wanted to bring this back up. Where do you sit on this idea? And it's something that, again, did, if you've listened to the Diana Pasulka interview recently, thank you. That came out on Monday on the free feeds and part two is out on Wednesday. It's been up on YouTube now. Um, she's done a few interviews roundabout. Make sure you check those out. I enjoyed uh, various different um, conversations she's had. James Iandoli of Engaging the Phenomena had it on. I always think, James, any interviews I do similar to him have a different take on it and different angle of attack. Yeah, so, sure. You can definitely um, see the you and James... Like it, it's a good example of how you bounce off each other. You know, you'll listen to those interviews so you're not repeating what James is yeah. asking, or vice versa, whoever goes first, you know. And we've got different interests in the same guests, which is which is always good. Um but yeah, so she mentions the idea about the Greek gods, Roman gods being something that might be relevant to the whole UFO phenomenon. Um I won't spoil too much, Dan, but if you want don't want to know the end of book one of Secret Machines, skip ten seconds. The last line is basically the Greek gods never left. Um, that's something that follows on through the books. If you're back, spoilers past now. Um, so Dan, I'll bring you in on that. Uh, your thoughts on the idea, and this is very much one of those sidebars. You know, we talk about the UFO subject sometimes having that spider diagram yes. where you go UFO in the middle, then alien, and then different planets, and then off that different galaxies, dimensions. One of those other sidebars would be gods, angels, demons. And then Greek and Roman gods, you know, sure. were they real? Question mark. It would seem people like Diana Pasilka, really serious religious historian, uh, Tom DeLong, and others have this impression that maybe they weren't figurative gods and they literally existed, still do exist and play a part in whatever this UFO phenomenon is. Where do you sit in all that? It's, I find that really compelling. Purely because, you know, we, we say Greek and Roman gods, 
But they go back further. We can trace them back to Mesopotamia, Sumer, you know, the, the yeah. earliest human civilizations that we can find. They seem to have these figures of divinity that they they bow down to and kind of see as the sky gods, or I need to say dogs then, um, or just other things, you know. They'll, and yeah. historians kind of say, oh, they're personifying the natural forces and things like that. But there seems to be something other there. And the more we search, the more we kind of find these ancient megaliths that we thought couldn't be there and that our history goes back further than we ever know. You know, recently we spoke about Homo Naledi and that find. Um, and it's not just that, you know, there are loads of other hominids and hominoids that have just populated this planet with us. You know, we when we were never alone. It just seems to be like we're the, we were the only ones left. So even so- in that sense, it's completely true, you know, that there was something other here with us sharing the planet. Then to think that how old this planet is, how old the solar system is, you know, science keeps science keeps finding that you know thing they don't have things quite right and life exists kind of in everywhere it can. And it it begs the question, you know, why couldn't we have developed as a species before? Where our history only goes back, you know, not not that far, not that far at all, really. You know, we're looking 50, 70k years. And then it kind of falls apart and the evidence becomes scant. And there is evidence to show we were here before, but this is such a small, tiny amount of time. And the planet is so old that I just think it it's it's silly to brush it off the table to kind of say that nothing came here. And when we say the word gods, you know, that's that's what they called them. We could it's see them label. kind of go, yeah, it's, a it's a drone, you know, they're using a drone and, and they're kind of making a big dragon in the sky with a drone and people that don't know what that is and have no frame of reference for that think of yeah. it as a god. There, there is no reason why that couldn't happen. We know the universe is expanding and things are getting further apart. Could everything have been closer? Could it have been easier to planet hop than we think in the past? Yeah, absolutely. So I, and- I think it's a really compelling idea. Yeah, it's like, look at me holding this orange. Well, it's not, you would say it's not an orange, it's a fruit. Okay, oh, somebody else says it's a ball. All right, okay, well, actually, it's food. Well, yeah, it's all of those things. Yes. Doesn't mean any of them are wrong. And yeah, absolutely. Maybe not look at it too much like, for anyone who's religious, apologies, but folks who study books that are thousands of years old and, and believe word for word that those things are still true. You know, just the story of my wedding day in 10 years has changed so many times. Not that we're wrong. You just start to misremember things. Stories change. Other bits come into it. And maybe not look at these things as being word for word recollections or even the the entities or people described within them as being 100% that's what it is. But like you say, it just all goes back to in any religion, there were beings or entities that we are more powerful or had different capabilities than we do who we are kind of in charge of things maybe creators initially of what we are what we became or maybe they decided that we would become the dominant species on the planet as we know it um very much we heard lou elizondo and others talk about the idea seventy thousand years ago our our dna got a bit of a boost our genetics suddenly leaped forward of where it should have been uh, maybe something played a part in that one of the worst movies of all time is marvel's the eternals dan as you know uh but not to say that some of the ideas within that movie potentially weren't correct that godlike beings a, a superhero movie essentially played a part in our civilizations through the ages sometimes they got involved sometimes they didn't um yeah, exactly and, small, and, small things here and there and even they in that movie kind of there's a there's a struggle as to how to look at humanity to whether think of them as as you know 
I guess experiments is the wrong word, but to think of them as their subjects and beneath them and that they rule over them, or to think of them as one of them and to respect them and live alongside them. There, there are different takes in that film and it's a really good kind of yeah way, way of showing it. And the nice thing about that film is it bases it on, you know, Babylon and things like that. It goes back to history. So there's a lot of, in fact, if you read Secret Machines, you'd probably be able to connect a few dots between those two pieces of media. Yeah. You know, we have the Emerald Tablets and Babylon and the cargo cults and things like that all worshiping these these godlike figures who the godlike figures are not gods to them. They're just people, right? They're just here to kind of help guide and nudge. Um, and then there's the idea that we have the story of the Tower of Babylon, right? That we tried to build this tower to the gods and we were seen as egotistical for doing it and the tower was knocked down and humanity was struck down to start again. To do something like that for a spacefaring civilization, to just nudge an asteroid into the planet, to just wipe it clean and start over, no sweat, you know? So it's it's not that far out there. And the, the more we look, the more asteroids we're finding. You know, there's the one coming up called Apophis uh, that is going to be kind of a near-miss. Near one of my favorites. <laughs> and uh, that's just one of the ones that we can see you know, and and we can see it because light's reflecting off it, that the sun is bouncing off it. There are asteroids and meteors and stuff out there that uh, don't reflect light in the same way, that we can't see them. Is so, it not particularly, which is a terrifying thought, that ones that are coming straight towards us, we can't see? They've got to be coming at an angle? Yeah, I mean, if they, if they were coming from a certain angle, we just wouldn't see them. They've got to reflect sunlight, otherwise we won't see them. Uh, and this is why we're starting to look into the universe with things like infrared, because they let us see different things and we can go and start tracking things in a different way. Uh, but there are absolutely, you know, ways that these things could come at us that we wouldn't even know. And that's how we see those videos. You know, if you just search meteors blowing up in the sky and stuff over Russia, there are a whole bunch of videos. That's how things like that get through our planetary kind of alarm system without being known about. Great idea for a science-based kids' book, The Sneaky Asteroid by Andy <laughs> McWillan. Yeah, and everyone just dies at the end. Yeah, yeah, it just hits the planet and blows up. Yeah. <laughs> um, everyone's dead. Good night, <laughs> the end. Um, and on that note, just to round up, Dan, any pieces we were going to cover off that are maybe a little bit older now or just worth touching on? Yeah, so just say, you know, the Sol Foundation is, uh, their conference is coming up uh, this week. It's the 17th, 18th. Uh, that's going to be great. There is going to be a video of that after the event, but Gary Nolan has said um, that they're just going to edit it and make sure that everything that people say they want in there um, because it is like a private conversation space. It's invite only. Uh, so they're, they're trying like, to treat it conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, well, Gary had said they're trying to treat it, treat it academically, that in a proper serious academic setting, there would be a kind of embargo on any discussions of papers that would go out and whatnot until proper reviews had been done. Everyone was happy with what had gone out. And they're just looking for that kind of same respect to be to be held with this. So I don't think people will see too much. I've had quite a few listeners get in touch with me who are going, um, who are going to chat. But again, I won't really say anything about it until afterwards, but one or two of them want to come on and, and just chat with me and let me know exactly what it was like, what was said. Gary himself will be on in about a month's time around mid-December. Um, got a little bit of time afterwards speaking to Gary as well. So that's probably not too bad timing-wise for that. That's Gary Nolan. Sorry, folks, using his full name. It's Gary. Um, he's, yeah. he's the default Gary. Yeah, he is, he is the Gary with two R's. That's correct. Um, so yeah, um, but yes, yeah, all Foundation. And the same weekend, Dan, I think we probably have to mention uh, the Richard Dolan event that's happening as well yes. uh, with Chris Leto and... The name escapes me. Stephen Bassett? No? Maybe. There's, there's a bunch of people kind of talking there. 
um, but you're going to be hosting, right? You're going to be asking some questions. No, and no, 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 not that. No, that's not what I'm doing. Oh, that's um, not. Okay. No, no, no. It's like they, they asked some folks to moderate on the live chats. Basically, there were levels oh, of involvement oh, we could get involved with. Um, they also have asked, and we're having this conversation live, Dan. But when they emailed <laughs> me about it, they had said they were going to be reaching out to you as well. I think they just want some folks within the community who are interested in the subject to to kind of man the live chats. And I've seen a few other yeah, names get thrown up as well. Um. And just if you're involved in that, if you've bought a ticket for it and you're watching any of the presentations, folks like myself, Dan, Vinnie Adams and others, I can't remember who they are. There's a load of folks who'll be kind of in the live chat saying hello and, and joining in in the conversations, basically. Um, but yeah, I, I'm only going to be on for a few hours. I don't have a whole lot of time this weekend and just with the the way kind of things fall. But I'm happy to kind of say hello to folks and get involved and, and watch some interesting discussions and panels. I think tickets, we are from like $29. Oh yeah, it's Steve, it's Stephen Bassett. Stephen Bassett. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, it looks like an interesting kind of lineup, all virtual as well. Um, so you're not going to be at the Soul Foundation. You won't see anything for a few weeks. Richard Dolan's always worth a listen to as well. So yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely get that checked out, folks. I'll put the link in the description as well. Um, on the other side of the coin, and I'm pouring it here because purely because of how you just spoke about the academic conference and how things are presented and how, how you roll things out in a respectable way so as not to cause controversy. There was a follow-up on the Mexican mummies, the Gaia mummies. Um, apparently, there's a peer review paper coming. Um, for me, until I see that in a journal, I you know can't just take videos put online as scientific work. There is a language to be done here. Um, but the the assertion seems to be from people is that the whole extraterrestrial angle is gone out of the discussion. They're just talking about them like they're an unknown kind of, you know, body, species. unknown species, uh, which is fair. You know, had they presented them as that in the first place, we, we wouldn't be having a conversation about them as we are. So we should be seeing more on yeah, that soon. <laughs> um, we also had a little bit of follow-up from Timothy Alberino. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. Okay, so let's give that sure. up. It deserves a few minutes, Dan, okay. uh, because I had people messaging about this and stuff as well. The Mexico thing is not going away. Um, if it is all BS, if it's all a hoax, then they're playing the long game with it and they're flogging the same dead horse. So does that potentially mean they're, they're at least confident in what they're saying and they've not just dropped it? Because they've, got, they've had the attention. You know, if it was a case of Gaia and... And I don't mean Mother Earth, I mean the TV channel uh, sure. who, who fund this and Jaime Musan and others. If they just wanted the initial attention, they got it, then it goes away. However, they do seem rather keen that there is something to this. And like you say, maybe the, the different tact with, look, we're not saying it's alien, we're saying this could be something else. Yeah. And then obviously the conversation can look back round. So I'm I'm still not changing my position that I hope there is something to it. I don't think they handled... The, do you know what? I'm not even going to say I don't think. They didn't handle the initial presentation in the right way. And, and when we say they as well, we need to be careful that the recent thing was a different they. It was a different yes, group yes, of scientists sorry. So the, the initial one, yeah, the, the first one when, when Jaime and, and Koal came out and Ryan Graves was at the event. For a second, yeah. <laughs> and then left but didn't know that was happening. Um that was all badly handled from a PR point of view. And I've had various people go back and forward and generally pretty respectfully, I'm always happy to debate and converse with folks and disagree. But I was like, I'm not backing down on the fact that they should have let that go. Um, George Knapp, 
has said to me uh, on the podcast, it wasn't, you know, this isn't new, that he had wind of the whole ATIP story at the same time or before the New York Times did. He he agreed to step aside because he knew Leslie Kane, Ralph Blumenthal, Helene Cooper had a bigger platform than him and it was only right that they got that story out because that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Me breaking a UFO story and Joe Rogan breaking a huge UFO story are two different things. Yes. I would love it from an ego point of view and if it was my story, fantastic. But I think there are times where you do have to step aside and go for the greater good. You have to let something else, you know, someone else went out on it. Um, that's what should have happened with this. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not backing down on that one. That's my opinion. I'm going to, I'm, I'll die on that hill. However, they're persisting with it. There are academics involved. There are scientists. Just unfortunately, like 99.9% of people involved in this, I don't know who any of them are. Dan, are you familiar with the no. various scientists and academics? And, and that's not a flaw. That's just because we are not at those universities. We are not based in those countries. We are familiar with the the usual names that are on social media for the most part. Okay, that's just how anything like this works. You are familiar with the the quote unquote celebrity or well known names. I would hope and like to see any of them get involved. And to Jaime Musan's credit, on Howard Hughes a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned after the initial breaking of this story that he would pay for several scientists and academics from the UK, from serious organisations who wanted to get involved, to go out for their accommodation and for them to study the material and the bodies that he's alleging are of non-human origin, or at least a combined DNA, something like that. So that's a fair invite. I just don't think anyone wants to be associated with it at that level. I can also understand that. Because of the rollout, right? If if it was just presented at a scientific forum and it didn't have, and, you know, no disrespect to Jaime, but he has been involved in frauds in the past. This might be totally different. It might well be. But waving the bodies around with ungloved hands and unprotected, like, it doesn't speak to them being, like, these incredible specimens. It needed to be presented properly, and that's what we're seeing when people from John Hopkins University and places like that don't want to get involved. Had it been presented properly and had the work been done behind the scenes and then the papers presented and that was the first we heard of it, this would be a different conversation right now. I am not going to name names here, Dan, and I don't want you to either because you're going to know what I'm talking about. And some listeners will and some won't, and that's fine. It's not a big deal. But there's another thing that's been discussed for a while online, which has alleged videos as evidence most folks seen them to do with an event that happened a while ago that wasn't UFO related at the time in the mainstream news, but is now being linked to potential UFO, etc. You'll know what I'm talking about, yeah? I don't have an interest in pursuing that. Okay, maybe I'm missing out on the biggest news story of all time. That's fine, and I'm willing to be at peace with that. However, again, it's to do with presentation, the way it's been handled, all the best and you know it it would be fascinating to find if something did come from it but i'm just weighing up the likelihood the logic behind it and ultimately when it comes to the podcast if it's something that i don't want to talk about or interview on then i'm not going to do it you know either i'd be hypocritical or it's not something i've got enough knowledge or interest in or i just feel it's not the vibe or the tone and that's I just, I don't I just have, want to put yeah, yeah. like exclamation marks around that I don't have enough knowledge in. And and I feel like that's that's the issue here. You know, when you go on Reddit and you see all people kind of go, oh, definitely aliens, they're definitely this, they're definitely that. Yeah. 
they don't, these people don't work in genetics. They don't, you know, there are a few kind of in there that say they do, but by and large, none of us in this community have the expertise to understand what these scans are showing us, what these DNA readings are showing us, you know, people like Gary Nolan do. So we kind of have to appeal to authority and, and listen to the data as it's brought to us and the conclusions that it's brought to us. And do you know what, Dan, though? People will argue, and it's fair, that there is a lot of scientists and academics involved in a second rollout, and that and they are authority, uh-huh. and that's fine. But it's the lack of any other interest from folks yeah. who normally do have an interest in this that makes me step back and go, why? Mm. Yeah. If, if they're seeing red flags, there's probably something going on. And I, I think had the new team be the ones to roll this out in the first place, again, the conversation would be different, you know? shouldn't have been yeah, a UFO hearing. You can't just declare something's an alien because you don't know what it is. If I'm really bad at identifying things in the sky, everything's a UFO. Um, you know, you need you need the expertise there, uh, even uh, if you disagree with what they say. If I brought James Fox over to debut The Phenomenon 2 in the UK and rented a cinema in Manchester, right, and we're all there having a good time, James has a Q&A, and at the end of it, I go, aha, I've got a surprise and I wheeled out an alleged piece of <laughs> crashed craft, right? And sure. I was a big chunk of metal on a table and I went, ha, folks, this is a piece of crashed craft. It's had various analytics done on it or analysis done on it uh, from uh, some scientists that none of you are going to know about or know of. Um, watch this space. People would, I mean, I'm sure some folks would go, oh, wow. A lot of folks would go, really this this guy's got it or that's how you've chosen to do that that's a bit from left field it just wouldn't seem right and yeah don't want to flog a dead horse with this but um i I hope there is something to this i know a lot of folks are pretty intrigued with it and quite rightly so um but i think presentation can be everything with this stuff yes and it's one of those kind of i'm very willing to keep an eye on it um yeah, which is, I mean, that's exactly why I wanted to mention it. You know, it's not one of those things that I'm just like, no, it's not. I'm ignoring it. I'm following this up and, and I'll continue to like put these little tidbits in the show when, when we can, when we hear things about them. But until we hear things about them and it comes from a fusible source, we, we can't conclude on anything. We can only, you know, do conjecture. Um, if anyone's saying that ET now, that's a belief thing. Don't trade in belief, not with this subject. And I completely understand that some people might see that hypocritical because. You know, we don't have a 23-minute video of sci-fi showing UAP and occupants and things like that. But it's all about presentation. You know, David Grush, Lou Elizondo, Carl Nell, their their reputation, their credentials, that's what speaks to the importance of what's going on. And we just kind of haven't seen the same thing with the Gaia mummies. And we might in the future, and then it'll come up again. And that's not to say, it's not the same thing to say these, these entities being presented are of non-human origin but are also nothing to do with whatever might be in 23 minute videos or inside or not tic tacs and flying saucers maybe they are nothing to do with that but they're still not human which is a different and very interesting conversation uh sorry dan moving on uh you're going to mention <laughs> timothy is it albuera Al- uh, Albuino. Uh, timothy timothy funded an expedition into the amazon uh, in Peru to kind of investigate these reports of face peelers, they're called, and and you know the the gov- the news reported as people with jetpacks terrorizing villages, um, and he did a little report online. Uh, you can go watch it; it's like an hour and a half long. Really interesting. He went there, he spoke to the people, he saw their emotional responses to this and stuff like that. 
But brilliantly, he he just, at the end of that, he did a what we know and what we don't know. And they're really concise. So I'm just going to run through those real quick, just as a quick update. Mm. Uh, he said, what we know, there were no jetpacks. They're not miners or narcos. They do peel faces. Uh, they were both male and female victims. The perpetrators seem to be using some kind of advanced technology. The Navy didn't investigate it. It's not mass psychosis and it's not paranormal. What we don't know is whether they're human or non-human. The objectives of these perpetrators seem unclear. Whether it's anything to do with sex or organ trafficking. There are reports of aliens and mantids. Couldn't clear that up. You know, stories from both sides of the fence. And where the bloodlines are related. Seemed to come up, but they couldn't confirm anything. What they did do is give all the villagers that they come across a bunch of infrared tools, cameras, things like that. Got them set up so if these things are seen again, they can just film them. There was one particular story uh, that they relayed where... Uh, and I forget the lady's name now. That's a, that's a crying shame. I didn't write it down. But basically she was attacked um, and they rubbed cream on her face, like a numbing cream. And then they started trying to remove the skin and and they got interrupted and ran away. That seems like a really human thing to do, right? Like that's mm. not advanced technology pulling people's faces off in yeah. split seconds. Um, so it seems that someone is trying to scare them. There was a video that came out sometime today uh, where someone said, uh, a local had filmed a guy in a tree with a jetpack. You can't see crap in the video. Like it's really hard to see anything. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to say that that's a jetpack. I'm not going to say it's an exoskeleton, whatever. Like it's just a spin and play, you know, you can't conclude. So I just wanted to give a little update on that. Uh, Bryce Sable, we kind of need like a rundown thing in the background. Like do, do, do. And I'll just go really quick. Bryce Sable found the note with the secret of the universe on it. Uh, he'd alluded to way back when, when he was making dark skies, that someone came up to him and gave him a piece of paper with an equation on it um, that they said... It was during filming, wasn't it? It wasn't during filming. During filming, yep. Nice TV series for folks who don't know what it is, yep. That's right. Really good series. Recommend going to to watch it. Uh, The guy claimed to be from the office of the Director of National Intelligence. The man had knowledge of the first episode of the show before it was aired. He said that he was there to help them get things right. And he asked for a piece of paper on which he scrolled what he said was the secret of the universe, sound, light, and frequency. So this has been going around for a while. Uh, Bryce said that he put it in a safe and he couldn't find it, and he's found it. So uh, apparently he's investigating it. He's talking to a bunch of experts about what it could be. He said it looks like symbols, less less an equation, more symbols. Um, But he's getting an analysis done, and we'll be able to see that in a book next year. I know people are going to be rolling their eyes at that line, but just sign up for the free Kindle thing on Amazon and you'll be able to read the book without paying a penny. You know, like, don't don't worry about it. And uh, to be fair, it's, it's a vocal minority that complain about that. In the same way that people pay for this podcast, some people don't, and that's fine. It's still out yeah. there anyway. There's ways to get this stuff. You're supporting people who create stuff, whether it's books, articles, and you can either choose to or choose not to. And that's the same with people at Bryce. I'll get a copy of the book. I... I'm very lucky to get preview copies normally because people come on and get to promote them to an audience like you, which is wonderful for them and for me. But also I I buy the books if I can't get a preview book. I'm not precious about that. Um, And like you say, Dan, I've got a Kindle subscription so you can download a copy basically as part of your subscription as well. Um, And if you're listening to this or watching this, you almost definitely have an interest in the UFO subject. So you (laughs) will have an interest in that. And yeah, it'll be either entertaining or informative it might be both it might kind of fuel speculation all of the above but i think it's why we enjoy the subject in general and that's even why mexican mummies 
airplanes that may go missing because of stuff and all of that you know nazi bases in antarctica mars jump rooms for people who may or may not become president one day that's an old reference um yeah it's still of interest to people and still makes you go huh what if wouldn't that be amazing etc etc and if you don't find all that interesting you're probably not that interested in the ufo subject it's funny isn't it like where people's lines are like i listen to astonishing legends amazing podcast i'd recommend everyone go listen to it but episode to episode they always say that some people say oh i listened to this episode and i switched off after part one because it's just it's ridiculous and the episode is about one ufo sighting whereas another more outlandish sighting will get much more coverage and and people are okay following that one along and it's just like well where's the line for people you know yeah, I know folks with a huge interest in like ghosts and the paranormal, um, mysticism, spirituality, tarot reading, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, the star sign. Yeah, they find UFOs ridiculous. <laughs> and on that note, Dan. And we can't uh, go further. Yeah, uh, one more thing, just before <laughs> oh, we go. go on. Um, really interesting podcast. Any Blink-182 slash UFO fans out there, there should be a lot of them listening to this, to be honest. Uh, Travis Barker, the Blink drummer, did an interview with a podcast called One Life, One Chance, which is fantastic. It's like three hours long, but right in the middle of it, he talks about uh, having precognition on his plane crash back when he was younger. He told someone very seriously that he was going to die in a plane crash. And just before getting on the plane, he said he had a visceral reaction. He had to call his dad. And there's a whole story there. I'd recommend going to listen to the podcast just to hear it in Travis's own words, but the conversation changes to talking about manifesting things. And it may be kind of wonder, you know, has, has Tom and Travis talked about manifesting things? Cause this is something that Tom says, right? That you can manifest your beliefs and things like that. I thought that was really curious. I didn't expect it to come from Travis, the, the quiet, serious one in, in blink, you know? Um, and then the last thing to say is just that Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick will be answering audience questions this Wednesday, November 15th at the Hayden Center. Uh, they're on YouTube. You can watch it live. You can put your questions in. It's called UAP, the search for clarity. Hold his feet to the fire. Um, these guys, they talk about intelligence policy, international security, and everything like that they're a school of policy and government so this should be a really interesting conversation and, and really the first chance that the audience gets to put questions to Sean Kirkpatrick head of Arrow so just google that uh, the Hayden Center and you will find that and then jump in and ask some questions and let's see how it goes best of luck getting anything UFO or alien related past the moderators but yeah it's it's always worth a try I'm sure 100% uh, Folks, thank you very much for listening. Dan went a lot longer on that one than we probably expected to as as normal and left out a lot of stuff as well that just became irrelevant. So yeah, hope you've enjoyed this one, folks. We're speeding towards the end of the year. Um, lots more stuff to come. Diana Pasilka Part 2 is out. George Knapp interview was recorded last week. That's available on all the early access platforms already. If you've checked that one out, thank you very much. Uh, if you've not, then that'll be out for you next week. And I say next week, uh, can I 19th roughly of november that one will drop on all the free feeds too um, any questions for terry lovelace that one's been recorded this week on his book the reckoning and we'll touch on near-death experiences as well loads of questions uh, for terry a very popular guest if you've got any more email them over but thank you very much for listening dan thank you very much for your time thank you for having me and yeah thank you for listening as well hope everyone's well i hope some of you are well and i hope some <laughs> of you are no i hope everyone's well as well thanks folks 
that is all for this episode thank you very much for tuning in don't forget to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform apple and spotify do make a huge difference to the algorithm if you're checking the show on youtube please don't forget to like and leave a comment on here as well any sharing you do is very much appreciated on any social media platform and finally you can listen to shows ad free and sponsor free in their glorious full versions by subscribing for less than the price of a coffee on apple spotify just search that ufo podcast premium youtube you can sign up and be a member or you can do that through patreon.com thank you very much for listening folks It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more.